Welcome back, everybody. We are here live in Faith, at Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 and 88. And you're with Lyle and Christopher in the morning. And Christopher, what is our quiz question? Nobody's answered our quiz question All yet. right. We well, need somebody so to send in an answer for that one. We need someone to win this prize. All right. So here it is. Who am I? My three eldest sons are Eliab. Abinanab and Shama, also known as Shamia. Yes, I can kind of, I can un- kind of understand why nobody has guessed that one. Yeah. yet. that's kind of um, vague and out there. Give us, a, give us another clue. Okay, okay. So the next one is: I was invited by Samuel to the town sacrifice along with the town elders. Okay, so we know that this is somebody who was a personal friend of Samuel, invited to a particular sacrifice. We'll have another clue coming up in a few moments' time. But now we need to get into our encounter with God section and. Uh, as we do, we have some amazing things to talk about. We were talking about the temple yesterday. Yes, and we started looking at the different parts. We kind of did a bit of a tour going from the outside inwards. We started mm-hmm. off in the outer court and we had the altar of sacrifice, first of all, and then we had the the laver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what was the laver again? The laver is just a big, uh, it's like a big bowl full big, of water. Big brass bowl. Big brass bowl full of yep. water. Mm-hmm. And so then we go into the uh, Inner inner court? You, yes. you call it the inner court, yeah. yeah. Or and it's referred to as the, the holy place. Yes. And in there we have the table of showbread. We had the oh, see you've got me with the candlesticks now. Now I can never <laughs> say it. You have the, the candle with the seven branches. The seven branched candlestick. Seven branched candlestick. Yes. And we also had the altar of incense. And we looked at how I, I gave Chris for <laughs> a uh, a trick question. He says, I like how many candles were there? He's like, seven. I was like, no, there was only one candlestick. It's had seven branches. Seven branches. One <sighs> Never we we all know what a menorah looks like. Everybody knows what the menorah looks like. Yes, yes. And so now we're going to start looking at the most holy place in mm-hmm. the sanctuary today. And that was where the Ark of the Covenant was. Um, you know, before we do, before oh, we do. Okay, yes, yes. There's a couple of things I wanted to just point out in relationship to the holy place and the furniture of the holy place. Because we talked about the seven branch candlestick. We talked about the altar of incense. We talked about the table of showbread. And everything in the temple symbolized something about God. Yes. Okay, so for instance, if you walk into the temple, the temple was, uh, the walls of that temple um, in, in Moses 1 and others were made out of acacia wood uh, overlaid with gold. Mm. So basically when you walk in there, it's lined with gold on either side. Now, gold is a perfect mirror. Have you ever stood between two mirrors? Yes. Try this Try this next time you go and you're trying on some clothes. Just open the curtains in two opposite um, changing rooms where you are standing between two mirrors. What do you see? Is that when you get an infinite amount of yourself? That's right. You see, yeah. you, you see for infinity. Crazy. So you walk into the sanctuary and suddenly everything is infinite because you've walked into the presence of God. Mm. It's amazing, isn't it? That's a and cool, then, that's okay, a cool okay, symbol. Okay. Let me, let me, let, let's, let's look at something else. You uh, On your right-hand side is your table of showbread. Now, the table of showbread was made out of wood overlaid with gold. Wood in the Bible is a symbol of humanity. Gold is a symbol of divinity or purity, God's purity, God's divinity, God's power. And so you've got this union of the human and divine coming together. Mm. And then you have um, bread, uh, on that on that altar, and that bread is a symbol of Jesus Christ, who the Bible says is the bread of life. And if you go to John chapter six, let me just um, jump in here with John chapter six. I'll show you something. This will bend your brain. Uh, 
I'm ready. <clears throat> John chapter 6 and verse 53, the Bible says, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay, so this, this when Jesus said this, it was bending the brain of his disciples like, what on earth is Jesus talking about? Yeah. <laughs> eat my flesh and drink my blood? You know, Christians have read this a million times. They just sort of don't even think about it. But people who are not of faith, who are you know, you might be listening and going, "What on earth yeah, kind yeah. of a weird guy was Jesus?" And the disciples, you know, a few verses down, they're like, "This is a really hard saying. You know, nobody can understand this." And so Jesus comes back and he explains it because he is the symbolic bread of life mm-hmm. to give us strength. In verse sixty-three, he says, "It is the Spirit that gives life." The flesh, in other words, my literal body doesn't profit anything. I'm not. I'm not telling you to go out and become cannibals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my my body actually, my literal body profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. So, what is it that we are to eat? We are to eat the words of God. How do you eat the words of God? Do you go munching on pieces of paper? Not a bad idea. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no let's not try that. Um, it's simply by taking it in like food every day. Exactly. Jesus yeah. is pointing out that time spent in the Word of God is necessary every single day. I think what's interesting is we focus a lot on our physical needs and um, our emotional and mental needs, but a lot of the time we neglect our spiritual needs. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about it like this, like if you were to only eat one meal a day, or let's say you just read uh, – you ate a meal once a week, mm-hmm. you get hungry. It's unsustainable. And yet a lot of the time we're satisfied with not satisfying our spiritual needs regularly like we would with our meals. Mm-hmm. We could just go, okay, you know, maybe if you go to church, you're once a, once a day at church, you know, that's it. You're just like, all right, time to get my spiritual food. But it's if you only ate once a, day, uh, once a week, it wouldn't work out. No, you would, you would die. And uh, the same if you ate all of your meals at uh, fast food, like yeah. drive-through drive Maccas. Let's say you, had, you have all of your meals at drive-through Maccas. Very convenient. You know, you don't have to wash dishes or make food or anything like that. But there was a guy who tried that one time. Um, you can see the documentary Super Size Me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think he made it six weeks and his doctor told him he only had another two weeks left to live or something oh, or other. Oh, my goodness. Um, and he was eating all of his meals at McDonald's. And uh, you just can't live like that. And sometimes we treat our Christianity, our Christian experience, like fast food. Yeah, we just want the Happy Meal. Oh, it's like yeah, the Happy Meal. So I'm a Christian, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna read my Bible in the morning. So we in and read a bit of the Bible and out again, and into our days. Like, yep, tick that box, done that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm ready for the day now. It's not like that. You can't survive on Christian fast food. You will die. Mm. You will have a heart attack. Your heart will grow cold and just stone dead. And well, the other thing is, your spiritual arteries will clog. They will clog. And sorry, McDonald's, but your food doesn't taste that great. <laughs> I was like, why, why, why would anybody you know, avoid the place like the plague? Not just because. Yeah. Uh, I give them a hard time this morning, but um, we need to be standing for good health. We do. And here on this radio show, we stand for good health unashamedly. And if people are promoting bad health, then we're going to call them out, both physical and spiritual. Absolutely. And so I think, as far as uh, looking at spiritual food, if you really spend time eating God's word and you're not doing it, as you said, just to tick a box, but you're intentionally looking for what you can get out of God's word. Well, it's like having a three course meal. It's Mm -hmm. like a really nice, nutritious meal as opposed to just 
happy mealing it, just getting a quick little zip, little buzz to get yeah. you through the day. And really, it doesn't really get no, you through no, the no, day. No, it, it's, as, it's just, yeah, it's ticking a hell. box. Anyway, so well, let's come back to the sanctuary. So in the sanctuary, you've got this table there. It's made out of uh, wood overlaid with gold, the, 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 the union of the divine and the human together. And on top of it, it has six loaves of bread. Okay. There's a pile, sorry, 12 loaves of bread. There's a pile of six and another pile of six. Two piles of six side by side. And that bread is a symbol of Jesus Christ, the bread of life, which is a symbol of his word that we are to eat every day. Mm-hmm. How many books are there in the Bible? Uh, there are 66. Huh? Two piles of six. Oh, yeah. subtle. Very subtle. My, blind, my mind is getting blown this morning. <laughs> my goodness. Okay, so then... So then you start your day, you read your Bible at the start of the day, and the Bible is going to tell you a whole bunch of things, but amongst other things, it's going to tell you you're a sinner in need of a saviour. Mm-hmm. And it's going to remind you of those things that uh, you have done, you know, that uh, you're maybe not quite so proud of, and that you're going to ask God to forgive you for having done. Yes. That's where we go to God for grace. Now, the next piece of furniture there is the altar of Incense. Well, actually, just before, okay. I just thought of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about the gold, right, and how yes. the gold is perfectly reflective. Yep. I think it's in the book of James in which it says that uh, God's word is like a mirror, right? Mm-hmm. And it reveals to us our sins and the fact that we're in need of a savior. So, ooh, uh-huh. yeah, it all there connects, you go, right? there you go, so absolutely. If you, if you go to the table of showbread and you it's sit, reflective. Have, it's reflective. Shows that what the you word mean. of God is reflective, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's revealing. It what just you keep, are. keeps going deeper. <laughs> There's more and more. And this is the this is the thing with the sanctuary. You can go deep and deep. You, you can never get to the bottom of it. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter how deep you go. There will always be new things to learn. And all of those things are going to point you to Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Every fine detail has something somewhere there to teach us about Jesus Christ. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so picking up from there, you uh, read your Bible in the in, in the morning, which is symbol symbolized by the table of showbread, and you move from there to the altar of incense. Yes. Now, at the altar of incense, the altar of incense is also made out of wood, which is humanity and human weakness, overlaid with gold, which is divinity, the union of the of the of the uh, human and the divine together. And we read in our Bibles yesterday, uh, Revelation chapter 8 and verse 2, amongst other places, how that the altar of incense symbolizes intercession. Mm. So in Romans chapter 8, you'll find that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we pray with words that we can't even come up with. And so we pray, we're using human language, it just doesn't really cut it, it's very basic (laughs) and simple compared to the language of heaven, and the Holy Spirit steps in, and the Holy Spirit, you know, this whole intercession process takes place and, uh, and translates it into the language of heaven. Uh, and so intercession is taking place, and the smoke that came up off the altar of incense, a white smoke symbolizing the purity of Christ, symbolizes the Holy Spirit purifying our prayers as they go to God. Mm. And so we come to the Word of God. The Word of God says, you're a sinner in need of a Savior. We go to the altar of incense, and we say, Lord, I'm a sinner, please forgive me. And intercession takes place, and we receive forgiveness of sins, and we are cleansed. 
Our sins are washed from us. There is no sin on us anywhere whatsoever at all anymore. Is that good news? That is amazing news. Okay, so what happens after or when, I shouldn't say (laughs) after, because you can't really separate the two from together. This is what you call justification. You're forgiven of your sins, you're justified. Uh, But having been justified, then you are filled with what? The Holy Spirit. What's the next piece of furniture? Uh, The... The candlestick. I'm just going to go with candlestick. <laughs> the seven branch candlestick. Yes, that's. And the what one. is the seven branch candlestick a symbol of? Well, uh, if you look at obviously what uh, the candlestick needed to produce the fire was oil, mm-hmm. and oil throughout the Bible is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And so, yeah, in going into the next part of the process, the Holy Spirit is the thing which enables you to live a life now in accordance with God's will. And what is that candlestick doing? What function is it performing there in the holy place? It's brightening it up, giving it some light. Producing light. The Bible says you are a candlestick that is set on a hill. Your job is to produce light. Mm, Jesus even says uh, his disciples, he calls them children of light at one point. Yes. So we are children of light. We are to be light to the world. We are to shine out to the world. And the thing that I find interesting about the candlestick is that there is no wood in it. Ah, Solid gold. No humanity there. No humanity. This is God's Holy Spirit. Now shining out through you. This is God living his life through you. The weakness of humanity has been um, dissolved, taken away, and now the whole, God's Holy Spirit is turning you into a new person that is a light to the world. Now, what I find interesting about that is I had a music teacher, and he always used to say this to me. He said, you can be the best piano player in the world, Christopher, but if you don't share that with other people, your talent is useless. You have to be able to go out into the world and to share it. And so I find it interesting that Jesus says the same thing uh, when he says, you know, a, a lamp on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, he's, he basically says, okay, you've got this good news, but this good news is really only useful if you are going out and telling the world and other people about it. You can't hide a candle. You can't hide light uh, anywhere, really. It shines no matter where it is. And so I think there's an interesting application for us there in that, We have this good news, but it's only useful if we go out and share that with other people. You know, in that candlestick, there is another symbol of the Word of God. Oh, how so? Yeah. Uh, If you go to Psalms, let me go to Psalms chapter 119. That's the longest psalm found anywhere in the Bible. Read your passage here because it helps us to understand how we actually become a light to the whole world. Psalms chapter 119. And we will go down to... Uh, Let me see here. Verse 105. There it is. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so to be able to produce light, you need two things. You need a lamp and you need fuel. Yes. The fuel, the oil, a symbol of the Holy Spirit, the lamp, a symbol of the word of God. Combine the two together. You have truth and the power of the Holy Spirit together and you have light. You need to have both. And so often within Christianity, we'll have one or the other. Mm. You'll find some Christians who, you know, it's all about the Holy Spirit and, you know, following the Holy Spirit, but they know nothing about their Bibles. They're not going to produce light. You find others who it's all about the Bible and knowing their Bible's inside out, back to front and upside down, every last little detail of it. And uh, you know that's the direction that I tend to head. In fact, as Adventists, you know, we, we're people of the book, yep, yep, yep. Um, and we tend to um, we tend to lean that direction. And uh, um, the Bible tells us we need to worship God in spirit and in truth. Yes, we need to have a balance between the two, not one without the other, and not either of them out of balance with each other. Yeah, because I think uh, when you do see either of those being out of balance, mm-hmm. you see 
it becomes problematic. Like, uh, for example, I don't know, uh, Paul, when he writes to the church in Corinth, they're very super spiritual mm-hmm. and they're going and doing a lot of crazy stuff. And Paul's just like, oh, can you please get this balance, guys? Can you stop emphasizing so much this spiritual side and look more, you know, actually like read the Bible? And then there are other churches that he writes to where he just goes, all right, you guys, you know all your stuff, but... You're kind of dead inside. Like, there's not really much, there's nothing really spiritual going on here. This is just basically uh, your human library, you know, your database with lots of information, but you don't have anything going, nothing spiritual going on inside. Yep, yep. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so very good. We need to get back to uh, that, was, that was just my, my little sidetrack. Before we yeah. left the holy place, <laughs> we need to get back to talking about the most holy place and what was the main piece of furniture in the most holy place? The Ark of the Covenant. Okay, so a big boat. No, no, no. Think more uh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, sometimes when I talk about the Ark, like, yeah, Noah's Ark. No, not Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark would never fit in this small building. Noah's Ark was a very large ship. <laughs> um, I wouldn't mind seeing the animals running around the sanctuary, though. <laughs> it would, it would um, liven things up, I'm sure, but not what, not what it was designed for. No, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, okay. All right, so we're talking about the Ark of the Covenant and what... What was the purpose for the Ark of the Covenant? Well, the Ark of the Covenant really was the place in which God's presence would dwell. So we talked dwell. I can't keep using the word dwell. It's because he would live. Yes, the Christianese is coming back through. Christianese, get out of here. Yeah. So uh, the, the word uh, tabernacle or sanctuary really just means a place to live. And so God wanted to live with his people. And this was the place where his presence was in the Ark of the Covenant in the most in holy the place. On the ark, in the ark, on the ark, on the ark, on the ark, on the ark. the ark. We'll talk about what's in the ark later on, maybe. Okay, but okay. it was on the ark. And what was the ark made out of? Uh, by the looks of it, I'm going to guess like acacia wood covered with gold, or is it just pure gold? Yeah, it was acacia wood covered with gold, but it had a special lid that was made out of pure gold that was called the mercy seat. Yes, and it was above the mercy seat that you had the visible presence of God. Mm. Um, and the uh, the priest could not go into the most holy place. Only the high priest could ever go in there. He could only ever go in there once a year. That was it. This was where the was, and, and when he went in there, they would tie a rope around his legs so that if <laughs> yeah, he was struck yeah. dead by God, by the the visible presence of God, they would be able to retrieve the body because they can't go in there. Mm. Um, and so it was a very very serious uh, situation that um, that was taking place here. At uh, in 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 relationship to the um, yeah the Ark of the Covenant. By the way, we have a uh, an answer for our quiz question. Oh, um, this has come in via text. Cameron from Adelong has the answer, and he says that the answer is Jesse. So give us the clues again and tell us whether he is correct. All right. So it is. Who am I? My three eldest sons are Eliab, Abinadab, and Shema, also known as Shemia. And I was invited by Samuel to the town sacrifice along with the town elders. The answer is Jesse. That is correct. Well done, Cameron. We have a prize coming out for you, a Melissa Otto CD. Congratulations. Now, we were talking about what we were talking about, the Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant. Okay. Lid lid made out of solid gold um, called the Mercy Seat. And what 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 was the Ark built to hold? Well, it had inside it's a of box, it. but what was it? What, what was the? There was a whole bunch of different stuff in it, but what was the actual purpose for it? What was what was the one thing that it was built to, to hold? Uh, I'm assuming the Ten Commandments. You would be, you'd yes. be assuming correctly. I am correct. Good. <laughs> yeah. See, you come along here, and uh, um, you don't have to go to college and learn all that kind of stuff. We can learn it all here on Faith FM. I love see? it. Practical all learning. <laughs> you are listening. You keep listening to Faith FM, and uh, by the end of the year, we'll give you a uh, we'll give you a BA. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Can I get one as well, please? <laughs> you, can, you can get one as well. Yes. Provided that we'll give you a BA on one provision. Okay, okay. 
that you give your life to Jesus Christ. Consider it done. And then you can be born again. That's a BA. Ah, <laughs> yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, All right, sign me up for that one. I'm keen. Uh, very good. Okay, so we're talking about the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to um, we're going to look at more detail because we need to look at why the Ten Commandments was placed there, uh, the function of the Ark, and what else was placed within this very special box. But at this time, we're going to listen to Anna Beden. I am convinced. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither
Listening to Anna Beden, I am convinced here on Faith FM, and we have been talking about the Temple of God. Here we have, and we're looking at the Ark of the Covenant at We've the moment. We're talking about the temple that Moses built because it's the simplest, but it also applies to the one that Solomon built and the one that Zerubbabel built. Zerubbabel built. <laughs> And the one that Herod built there were four of them. And then, of course, the fifth one is the one that's in heaven. You can read that about that in Hebrews chapter 8. Of course, if you have a question you'd like to talk to us about any of these issues, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 0491-064-669. And if you are listening to the delayed feed, don't forget you can listen to us live on faithfm.com.au or if you are mobile in your car or so forth, you can use the TuneIn app and simply run your phone through your car car and uh, listen to us that way with a perfect clear signal wherever you go and have uh, data access. Man, I'm jealous. I kind of wish I could listen to myself on the TuneIn app. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever tried to listen to yourself on radio? No, I, I haven't actually. It's a really hard thing to do. Is it just like it's you start? Terrible. No, it's terrible. Like, <laughs> oh, it's the worst thing ever. All right, let's not do I, it I then. avoid it like the plague. I've been forced to do it once or twice and it just gives me the horrors. Is it just because you don't like the sound of your voice? Well, yeah, you sound you sound so much different when you're listening. Does oh, I really sound like that? Yeah, it's, yeah. I sound, I sound <laughs> terrible. can't believe that they put me on radio and put me on air. That's just like the worst thing ever. <laughs> Uh, oh, I think you got a nice voice, Mr. Uh, Lyle. Well, thank you, and I think you have a nice. We can pat each other on the back. There we go. Great uh, big, uh, <laughs> a great big happy backpacking patting session. Why not? Okay, so what were we talking about? The Ark of God. Yes. All right, yes, the Ark of God. Made, what, what was specifically the Ark of God made for? Its specific purpose. Well, it was made to hold the Ten Commandments inside of it, yes. and it was also the place in which God's presence uh, was on, on the mercy seat, we said. Okay, there was three very, very important parts to this. You had the Ark of God, sorry, you had the Ten Commandments above the Ten, in the, in the Ark. Yes. Above that, you have the mercy seat. Above that, you have the visible presence of God. And it was on the Day of Atonement that blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat to cleanse the sins of the whole of Israel, all of God's people. And so very simply, you've got at the bottom, you have the Ten Commandments, which defines what sin is, and the wages of sin is death. Yes. So you've got the Ten Commandments saying, we're all sinners, we all deserve to die. Above that, you have a holy God who is righteous and is pure and whom with whom sin cannot come into the presence of. And between that... Between the law of God that says that you are a sinner and the holy God, the mercy you have the, mercy the blood of Jesus Christ. Ah, yes, oh, yes. The blood of Jesus Christ comes between the law that says that we must die and the Father. This is what we call intercession, or we call atonement. And this is why blood was sprinkled there on what was called the Day of Atonement, because yeah. that's when we are. That is how we are made at one with God. And so, atonement, by the way, is, a, is an invented word. They invented that word when they uh, translated the Bible into English. Oh, there we go. Yep. And they took three words at one month because there was no word in the English language to describe atonement, so they just invented one. <laughs> at Fair one enough. with God. So that's where it comes from. So that's pretty cool then that the, the high priest once a year gets to come in to God's presence. It's a bit symbolic. It's symbolic of when 
all of humanity will finally be able to yes, enter into God's presence. Absolutely, right there in the presence of God. Now, the Ark of the Covenant ended up being used for a number of other purposes. There were a number of other things that were placed within that Ark. Do you remember what any of them might have been? Yes, okay, so we got a pot of manna. Yes, and manna, for those of you who might not know, was a food that came down from heaven. Um, it was food that... Um, that God provided for the Israelites when they were living in the wilderness and there was no other food supply. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to find the Ark of the Covenant and give it a try. Yeah. And so would you say that the this basically bread from heaven is kind of symbolic of God's provision or... Very much so, yes. God providing for us. Yes. Yeah. And so then you've also got in the Ark... Uh, the rod of Aaron. Okay, so in those days, the culture was that every person who, every male person had a rod. You know, you walked around with a rod, with a walking stick. It was just a, a you, you weren't a man unless you had yeah, a rod. rod. <laughs> Everyone had a rod. And Aaron's rod happened to be one of an almond tree. He cut it off an almond tree. It's somewhere in its distant past. It's this dry old piece of stick that he's been carrying around like forever. And they had a dispute one time in um, Israel as to who should be you know, the leaders and should Aaron be the high priest. You know, isn't this a bit of nepotism because this is Moses' brother? <laughs> yeah. And so God said, okay, that's fine. We'll, uh, we'll do a test here. Everybody write your name on your rod and leave it here in, in, in the sanctuary, in the temple. And so they all wrote their names on their rods. There were like 50 or 70 of them. I can't remember. There was a big bunch of them. And they put them all in the, in the temple there and they came back the next day and one of the rods... Aaron's rod, this dry old stick that had been carrying around for years and years and years. It had green leaves on it. It had fresh buds on it. It had blossoms on it. And it had ripe almonds on it. <laughs> so you had like all four seasons at once right there wow. on this one rod. And then that rod, because the leaves never died, the blossoms never died, etc., they put it into the Ark of the Covenant as a symbol that the Levites and particularly... Um, Aaron's family had chosen to be, been chosen to be the the high priests who could enter into the holy place. Man, so if we ever do find the Ark of the Covenant, we can have like a mini feast. You can try the manna, you can try the almonds. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Um, one other thing that was placed in the Ark of the Covenant. Can you remember what it might have been? Uh, one other thing. Mm. Is this during the time of Moses and Aaron? Yes, or, uh, during the time of Moses and Aaron, I got him. I got him. Chewing now. Let's see if I'll find this in the Bible for you. Go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. I'll find a verse for you in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, by the way, is a great book of the Bible. If you've never read it, Deuteronomy is 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 very much a gospel uh, passage of the Bible. Uh, Whereabouts in Deuteronomy are we looking? I'm thinking somewhere in the in the thirties. Um, maybe 31 verse 24 The Bible says It came to pass When Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book This is, this is uh, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus and I did that wrong didn't I Genesis, Exodus, <laughs> Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy That's the, the book of the law Until they all finished That Moses commanded the Levites Which carried the Ark of the Covenant Saying Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark. Mm. So there was the last thing that was placed in the ark was the book of the law. It was placed in the side of the ark to show that the Ten Commandments was the preeminent law of God um, that stood above all other um, laws. Mm. Interestingly enough, they 
the Israelites lost the book of the law for quite a substantial period of time during Yeah, they did. The there was only one copy. Can you believe there was a time in the history of our world when there was only one copy of the Bible, just one, and it was lost? How did we lose that? <laughs> it was lost. And they came back and they found this one copy, one single copy. It had been lost for like a whole generation. Man. Just boggles the mind, doesn't it? Would have been so exciting to find it again. Uh, I bet they wish they had. Uh, they could just you know throw it in the cloud, access it yeah. <laughs> via the internet. That would have been handy. You know, God draws us an illustration with the Ark of the Covenant to show us what He considers to be most holy. Mm. You think about this on our. It's like a target. Think of a target. You know, with a bullseye in the middle and then different circles going out. Yep. Okay. So think about this. God draws a target on our world to direct us to what He considers to be most holy and um, as he draws this target on our world you you got you start with the earth okay and on the earth you have the holy land where's that um, Israel Palestine Palestine yeah, Palestine, yeah. yeah. Um, in the holy land you have the holy city what's that uh, oh, you asked me too much geography. I don't know nothing. <laughs> Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yes. You knew that. I'm just. Okay. <laughs> he's going blank on me. I'm freaking uh, him out. He's, okay, and then within Jerusalem, you have the holy city. Within the holy city, um, you have the holy mountain. On the holy mountain, you have the holy temple, and then you have the holy place, the most holy place. Yes, the holy ark of God. And within the holy ark of God, you have the holy law of God. God is revealing what He considers to be most holy, and that is His law. We're going to move to scripture lullabies this time. Don't go to sleep. We'll be back in. Just a moment. It seems like there's so much to hope for. So many dreams I wish they all could come true. But when I think about your ways, Lord, it gives me so much faith.
Sometime you have asked these questions. Does God exist? Is there anyone out there? And is God for real? As an atheist for years, my answer to those questions was no. But since then, I've had to reconsider the evidence. Evidence that points to a God of reason, science, love, and hope. I'm inviting you to discover these answers for yourself in my exciting new series entitled, Is God for Real? Beginning 7 p.m. Friday, February 23, at the Walls End Seventh-day Adventist Church. Visit isgodforreal.com.au for more details. That's isgodforreal.com.au. Welcome to Love Matters with Neil Thompson. And today we're just taking a bit of a wander through the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs is just what it says. It's a book about wisdom and and the sayings of the wise and and a whole list of proverbial sayings. And some of these are absolutely brilliant for when it comes to how to do relationships. They're just filled with so much so much wisdom. So here we're looking at Proverbs 16, and in Proverbs 16 and verse 18, here is something which I think if we were to apply this to our relationships, our relationships would take a really good boost forward. So what we're looking at is Proverbs 16 verse 18 and it says this, it says, Pride goes before distraction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. What this is talking about, it's like pride goes before a fall. Now we've had that as a proverbial saying for like forever. Well, it actually comes from the Bible. It comes from Proverbs 16, verse 18. And what it's actually saying is that someone who is puffed up with pride, someone who is puffed up with their own self-importance and the, a sense of arrogance and around who they are, is, is actually a person who's about to head for a fall. And the, let, let me illustrate that in, in an example. It's like in interpersonal relationships, it's so easy for one person to think that they're right and everyone else is wrong, that that they don't have any problems, but others around them do. And when that happens, actually at the heart of that is pride, that that they think that, that they're right. And it starts to affect the way they see the world. They start to see the world as they're right and others are wrong, that they're better and others are worse, that that people owe them, and, and they start to treat people around them as objects. 
And you can imagine that if someone starts to do that too often in life, that the end result of that, especially around those who they're close with, will be that a growing distance, a growing separation, a growing divide. The, the opposite of that is to actually be a humble person, someone who is actually freely willing to admit that, hey, I'm not perfect, I have mistakes, I make mistakes, to freely admit that, yeah, I get it wrong sometimes. Like I think, you know, um, of a time where I just really blew it with, with my kids. And um, my son said to me, he said, Dad, you know, what are you doing? Is a TV more important than, than having a conversation with me right now? And I was really angry because I just wanted to sit down, relax. I'd had a hard day and I wanted to do this. And he wanted to have this conversation. And I was just like, man. And it wasn't pretty because I remember what I did in that moment. I kind of exploded a little bit. And it was my pride getting in the road. It was just my anger spilling over. And I had to actually eat a little humble pie. I actually went into him and I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. I blew this. I got it wrong. And I humbled myself. And I humbled myself to my son. And in doing so, you might think, you know, that, wow, I just, um, I can imagine some guys thinking, wow, well, at that point, you just lost it. And not because you got angry, but because you then apologized to your son. I mean, you should never do that. Well, I actually disagree. I actually think I went up in the estimation of my son. And instead of losing his respect, I actually gained way more. Because here's the thing, better to be a, of a humble spirit than to divide the spoil with the proud. I tell you what, when you divide spoil with pride, you know, what, what's actually going on there? Well, it's actually that you're ripping others off. You're ripping their reputation. You're ripping their character. You're stripping them down. You're pushing them down. You're making yourself puffed up at their expense. And what the Bible is saying, it's better to be humble. In fact, if you go th then through to Matthew and the Beatitudes, where um, right there, Jesus actually says this. He says, well, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who... Uh, poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's like humility is a key ingredient to God's kingdom and it should be no surprise therefore that it's actually a key ingredient in rich relationships in the home, in the family, with your lover. It actually just is so much better than being puffed up with pride where with an arrogant and haughty spirit, there's that interesting word from the Bible, where you actually see others as less in yourself and you're tempted to use them as an object in your own personal happiness. Well, that's not the way to success. That's not the pathway to happiness and peace and to love and contentment. The pathway to, to love and contentment is to actually be meek, is to actually be humble, is to actually have the character of Christ in your life. So today, whatever you're doing, just do a little character assessment if you like and just say, hey, is pride getting the handle on me? Is, is pride stopping me from building a bridge back to my partner? Is pride stopping me from building a bridge to my children? If it is, maybe it's time for you and the Lord to square it away and to actually embrace the pathway of being lowly and, and hard and, and humble. Well, you're in Love Matters with Neil Thompson. Stick around on Faith FM. We've got much more coming up right after this.
you're content to be yourself. That was Matt and Josie Minigus, a Little Sparrow Psalm. What a beautiful song. Oh, that was. I really like that. Yeah, I like psalms. Hmm. That's a modern psalm. Okay, so we've come to our part of our, the, the part of our show where we get to answer your question. And our question of the day is, and of course, um, if you would like to uh, send your question in, then please do so. But our question of the day is, how do we know we have a spiritual gift? And what we do every day is we take a number of questions that have come in uh, either on Facebook or by text message, uh, mostly by text message, and we choose one to be the question of the day. So if you would like to have your question of the day to be answered here on Faith FM, then give us a give us a, uh, a text message, um, or you can call 1-800-324-843 and simply call it through, or you can leave it on our Facebook page, and we would love to answer your question here on the Faith FM live show. Of course, if you're listening to the delayed broadcast, you can still send it through, um, but if you are listening to the, to the delayed broadcast, then you're better off to grab us on faithfm.com.au or using the TuneIn app on Faith FM Australia so you can use it mobile in your car and so forth. Okay, so getting back to our question of the day, how do we know we have a spiritual gift? Christopher, my question to you is this. Mm-hmm. What is your spiritual gift? Oh Well, I'd say that I have a spiritual gift in preaching. I'd say okay. that. Uh-huh. I've also uh, musical. I can play a bit of piano as well, so I Aww. contribute to some worship during uh, the church service as well. And writing. I like writing, and I seem to be all right at that as well. So how do you know that these are spiritual gifts rather than just, say, natural abilities? Well, I think, first of all, uh, what is interesting to understand is that everyone has a spiritual gift. Yes. Uh, we read in... First and some people, multiple spiritual gifts. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if you want to check it out, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7, talks about the fact that every God has given each person a gift That's right. to serve and build up the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think what ends up... The difference, I think... Primarily is that God uniquely calls these people, calls each of us, to contribute using these spiritual gifts that he gives us. And I think, uh, for example, a good example is we're talking about the Ark of the Covenant. And the man who was asked to build the Ark of the Covenant and all these things, his name was Bezalel. Mm -hmm. He was asked to help build the sanctuary. And uh, it says... God says, I've filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, cutting stones, to work in every craft. And so God gave Bezalel the unique opportunity to utilize his spiritual gift. Okay, so basically then uh, cabinet making can also be a spiritual gift. I'd say so. Yeah. If you can use it for the glory you, of God. I, I used to be a cabinet maker. Ah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, most assuredly, and God is a creative God, and God has given us the ability to be creative, and when we express our creativity in whatever way it is, we're expressing the fact that we were created in the image of God. Yes. So I think when we, uh, if we have an understanding of the artistic, it, uh, it, it could be artistic, but then there are also other spiritual gifts which aren't necessarily. Um, sure, there are lots of different ones. There's a huge variety, yeah. A couple of points I'd like to make. The first one is that, that it is God who decides what spiritual gifts you get, not you. Yes, very important. Um, the Bible says that in First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11. The second thing that I would like to say is just from my own personal experience is that when you are able to do something that you were previously unable to naturally be good at. Mm, for sure. That is a spiritual gift. I was 
un, I, I was never naturally good at speaking. I was never naturally good at uh, being a preacher. I was never naturally good. I was shy and retiring and all of these kind of things. And I believe that God gave me the spiritual gift to be able to do the things that I'm doing right now to be able to communicate the gospel and talk to others about Jesus Christ. And so I think that uh, I think that the Bible is very clear that these are supernatural things. We're going to go to Home Free at this particular time, and they're going to bring to us How Great Thou Art. Savior God to thee How 
was Home Free, bringing us How Great Thou Art here on Faith FM. And we have come to that part of the show where we get to give something away. And I always love giving something away. I know, it just right? It makes my heart feel happy in the morning, and I'm sure that you'll feel happy to get something free in the mail if you can be the first caller through on 1-800-324-843 or the first person to text us on 0491-064669 or the first person to send us a Facebook message. That'd be pretty quick. Yeah, it'd be pretty quick. I'd you gotta get if, in. I'd call if I were you. Oh yes, especially considering what we have here. And you have to give today. us. You have to give us the name and title of the book. Exactly. All right. All right. So what's the what's our free offer for today? Our free offer is a book called The Invitation. Okay. And what's it all about? So basically, what it is is it's a collection of different stories from people describing their testimonies or their personal walks with God. So think about what we uh, did with the interview with Kojo today. Okay. It's like a collection of, of Kojo stories. Of Kojo stories, yeah. There you go. So that's what it is. If and you missed the interview with Kojo, you really missed out. You'll have to a, find somewhere where you can get the delayed feed and listen to it again. It was amazing. And, and if you're listening to the delayed feed, remember you can listen to it live on uh, faithfm.com.au or using the TuneIn app to listen to it in your car. Exactly. And I don't think it's a coincidence, as I'm reading on the back here, Part of the description says you might even see a reflection of yourself as in a mirror. And we've been talking about mirrors and we have, gold yes. and seeing yourself in reflections God all is morning. A mirror. The, the, there was a the, the, the interior of the temple was m- golden mirror everywhere. Yeah. So I think that it's no coincidence we're giving away this book today. So now is the uh, is the author of this book is he an author or an edit- editor? So did each individual person uh, write their their piece or did uh, and he assembled it or did he actually sit down and interview them and then write them for them? You see, that is a great question, and it just so happens that the price st- the price sticker is covering all that good all information. That good information. <laughs> okay, there you go. But we have uh, some great stories here, like "Don't move, don't even breathe." That's chapter number chapter one, and then "Mummy, don't leave me." Chapter two: a cold night in August and a conflicted priest, and so on and so forth. There are some amazing stories coming through there. You don't miss it. Want to miss out on those stories? So give us a call. Our numbers are one eight hundred. 324-843-0491-064-669. Now, just a quick reminder for our delayed feed listeners. Do listen to us live. Use the TuneIn app and run it through your car stereo if you are on the road or use faithfm.com.au at home. Or, of course, you can use the TuneIn app anywhere. And that way you can catch the live broadcast. And that way you can call in and have a chat and have a conversation. You can agree with us or disagree with us. Use the open line number to your heart's content. We always enjoy your company here on Faith FM. And as we come to the end of today's show, don't go anywhere. We have more great programming. Coming up right after this, this is Fernando Ortega. All flesh is like the grass, the grass withers and fades away. Is like the grass, the grass withers and fades away. The glory of man, like a flower that shrivels in the sun and falls. The glory of man, like a flower. Shrivels in the sun and falls. 
But the word of the Lord endures forever. The word of the Lord endures But the world